It's really good to be here uh, with you today, and it's been so encouraging to hear already during this service uh, what so many people in this church have done and are doing to make a difference in the lives of vulnerable children. Let me begin by uh, telling you a story of um, what happened in Southampton a few years ago. Uh, Church leaders in Southampton uh, realised that the the local authorities' budget was about to be cut significantly. So the church leaders organised a meeting with local councillors and said, how can we, as the church, help you in the times ahead? And this confused the councillors, because the councillors really were only used to the church complaining about everything they were doing wrong, not offering to help them. Um, But the councillors were delighted to have this opportunity to meet with church leaders in the city of Southampton to find out um, uh, how the church could support them. And they had a meeting and the council gave them a long list of things they thought the church could do to support. Um, Over the next 21 days, the church leaders went away and prayed about it because they wanted to be really strategic um, about what they offered to the local authority. And one of the things the city council had said is we need to find 80 new foster carers in the year ahead. So the church leaders came back and said, we will help you find 40. Um, To which the councillors, the rest of the local authority, they kind of just laughed at the church, saying, don't you realise how hard it is to find foster carers? Like, what do you think our recruitment team do all day? Um, But they said, to be honest, if you found us four foster carers this year, we'd be really happy, so please go ahead. That year, more than 70 people from the churches in Southampton stepped forward to foster or adopt. By the end of the year, 13 had been approved and were ready to go, and many more were still in the assessment process. The city of Southampton was just blown away as churches, people within churches, stepped up to offer vulnerable children hope through hospitality. And in doing so, it got the local authority and others to see the church in Southampton in a different light, because they were bringing hope to children of the city. And uh, we learned something else uh, through this. We soon discovered that churches are really competitive. (laughs) So when churches in Reading heard that Southampton had tried this, they were like, we're going to try and find 50 foster carers. And in Liverpool, they were like, we're going to try and find 50 as well. Nottingham churches have just launched a campaign to find 100 foster carers over the next uh, uh, three years. Um, And in Worcester, over the past few years, they've found about 20 foster carers now. So across the UK, we're seeing churches step up to find foster carers for the vulnerable children. Let me explain two reasons why I think this story and that those that are developing are really important. This year, 40,000 children are going to be taken into care in the UK. 40,000 children. And the system that tries to care for these children is stretched beyond belief. The UK urgently needs 8,000 more foster carers. 8,000 more foster carers are urgently needed. And at the moment, there are three times as many children waiting to be adopted as there are families approved to adopt them. So children are having to wait. And life for children in care and life for children after care can be really challenging. They've experienced and seen things that they should never have had to experience or seen. And the trauma can live with them throughout their childhood and into the rest of their lives. Uh, children in care are five times more likely to experience or be having mental health issues. Um, 
Professionals now believe that 50% of the prison population were in care as children. As young people, a year after leaving care, uh, those young people are three times more likely to not be in education or training or employed as their peers. So there is a crisis in the UK facing vulnerable children, and that has an impact on the wider society as well. So that's the first reason why what the churches in Southampton did is really important. There are vulnerable children who need support. Secondly, throughout scripture, God makes it really clear that he expects us to care for vulnerable children. There are dozens of verses throughout the Bible that talk specifically about how we could care for the fatherless and the orphans. And there are hundreds of more verses that talk about how we should be caring for the vulnerable and the poor in our society. Home for Good exists because we believe that the church in the UK can provide a solution for the problem facing society. Home for Good was launched in 2014 as a charity. And when we launched as a charity, um, there was a need for 9,000 more foster carers in the UK, and there were 6,000 children waiting to be adopted. And as we launched, we reckoned that Home for Good had reach into about 15,000 churches. So you do the maths. If one individual or one family from each of those churches stepped forward to foster or adopt the church in the UK would provide a home for every child who needed one at that point. Wouldn't that be good news? Wouldn't that be amazing if the church in the UK was known for providing a home for every child who desperately needs one? But we recognise from the beginning that fostering adoption is not for everyone. God is not calling all of us to step up and foster and adopt. But wouldn't it be great if the other individuals and other families within churches wrapped around and supported those individuals and families that did step up to foster and adopt? We've already heard this morning that it takes a village to raise a child. Wouldn't it be great if churches were known as those villages that were supporting families as they fostered and adopted? So this morning I want to think about this whole idea of bringing hope through hospitality and through the hospitality that we offer that people will be able to glimpse the hope that God gives us. Now for Billy Joe and I, we would of course love it if at the end of this service all of you signed up to become foster carers and adopters. We could go into the office tomorrow morning with our head held up high if that was the case. However, I very much doubt that God is calling all of you to foster and adopt. But I do believe that God speaks to all of us about how we can begin to show hope through hospitality. So as I talk, I hope that God is stirring some of you to think about what does that look like to care for vulnerable children. But I'm very aware that God might be stirring others of you to respond in different ways as well. So let's turn to the story um, that we are looking at uh, this morning, the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to make kind of three points. So Jesus told this story in the response for a question of a teacher of the law. And when the teacher of the law asked the question, who is my neighbour? 
He was hoping that Jesus was going to provide something quite achievable and doable. He was hoping, I'm sure, that Jesus would say, oh, you know your neighbour, that they're your family and your friends and the people that live like within 500 metres from your house. They're the people I classify as your neighbour. They're the ones I'm telling you to love. You know, they're the people like you. But in telling this story and saying that actually the Samaritans and the Jews, the Samaritans were the Jews' worst enemies, that they should be neighbours, Jesus was removing all the boundaries. He was basically saying, everyone is your neighbour. You should love everyone. Jesus removes the boundaries. I used to think I was really good at hospitality. In fact, I would probably go as far as to say I used to think I had the gift of hospitality. Um, I used to love inviting friends and family and people from my church round to have kind of barbecues in the summer and entertain them around my house. And one day, a friend of mine, a really good friend, sat me down and he said, Phil, you, you do realise that's not hospitality. He said, that's fellowship. And that's a good thing. You should do this. You should keep doing it. But don't kid yourself that that's hospitality. Because hospitality comes from the words to be friends with strangers. To be a friend of a stranger. What I was doing was nothing to do with strangers whatsoever. I was inviting my friends and family and the people just like me to spend time with. That's, that's kind of fairly straightforward and easy. To show hospitality is to welcome in to our lives those who are different from us. That's a very different kettle of fish, isn't it? So the next point I want to make about this story is how Jesus flips it around. You see, this story would have still made a similar point had it been a Samaritan man that had been beaten up and a Jewish man who had helped them. But in doing it the other way around, Jesus placed his listeners in the position of vulnerability. He made his listeners feel, how would you feel if a stranger did that to you? And in doing so, that made the story so much more kind of powerful. It's one thing for us to talk about what it's like for us to go and help other people. But just imagine for a moment, what is it like to be on the receiving end of someone's help? And God does this throughout the Bible As the Israelites were waiting to go into the promised land, God told them that when you're in the promised land, you are to uh, treat oppressed people well. You're to welcome the stranger. You are to care for the vulnerable. Why? Because you were once the oppressed. You were once the stranger. You were once the vulnerable when you were in Egypt. Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus tells his followers to forgive. Why? Because you have been forgiven. We have been forgiven much, so we should forgive. God constantly reminds us that we are vulnerable and that we need him. He reminds us that we have experienced what it's like to be on the outside and he's brought us on the inside. In fact, at the heart of the gospel message is the idea that God has welcomed us into his family as adopted children. 
We know what it's like to be on the outside of God's family and God has welcomed us in. So first of all, in this story, Jesus removes the boundaries. Next, he flips it around and places us, the hearer, in the position of vulnerability. And next, Jesus tells us to go above and beyond. You see, again, this would have been a good story had the Samaritan man found the injured person, put him on his donkey and took him to the Jewish equivalent of a hospital and just left him there. It would have still been a good story. He'd have still helped out his neighbour. He'd have still done kind of everything anyone expected him to do. But that's not what the Samaritan man did, is it? He not only took him to an inn so that this man could be cared for, he not only paid the bill himself, he said he'd be back at a later date to pay even more to make sure this man had been well cared for. This man disrupted his whole day and maybe future days as well to make sure this stranger was well cared for. Jesus tells us to go above and beyond. I know I have to say for myself that I tend to be okay at helping others when it fits into my schedule. But the moment helping others doesn't fit so nicely into my schedule, that, that's, another, that's another story. So Jesus removes the boundaries of who we should care for. He flips it around and places us into the position of vulnerability. And he tells us to go above and beyond in how we show hospitality and welcome the stranger. So here, here's a challenge uh, for all of us. There's a saying in England that an Englishman's home is his castle. And the thing with castles is that they're all about keeping those inside really safe and secure and keeping challenges and problems and difficulties out. Castles about building tall walls and moats and all kinds of other defences to keep the troubles of the world out and away so we say safe and secure inside. And I think for many people in our society today, that's, that's our vision of home. And also as I travel the UK, it has to be said that, that many churches are like that as well. We set up our homes and our churches quite like castles. So the question is, how do you, what do you want your home to be like? Do you want it to be a castle? Or do you want it to be more like a hospital? A hospital. The word hospital, the word hospitality, same kind of words, yeah? A hospital is a place where people in trouble, people in distress, people who need healing, people who are in crisis are welcomed in and can have their lives restored, can experience healing, can get the support and the help they need so that they can go on to live a full life and thriving. What do we want our homes to be known as? What do we want our churches to be known as? Do we want them to be seen as castles or do we want them to be seen as hospitals? A few years ago, um, Pope Francis uh, was talking about family and he said this, a family is like a factory of hope, a factory of resurrection. I just love that idea that a family should be a factory of hope, a factory of resurrection. That's what my desire is for my birth children. That's what my desire is for children that I may foster or adopt in the future, that our family is a place of hope. 
It's a place where hope can develop and grow. Children in care, they need hope. They need hope. And a factory of resurrection where the old can be put behind and a new future can be built. Across the UK, we are hearing stories of hope, stories of people offering hospitality that's transforming the lives of children. Let me just tell you a few. A few, a, couple, uh, a few years ago now, I was at a Christian festival and a couple came up to me at the end and told me their story. They told me how a couple of years earlier they had uh, been at another Christian festival and they were at rock bottom. You see, they had just taken early retirement and their plans for their retirement had always been to go and be missionaries in South America. Um, But just before this was all coming into a plan, one of them had health complications that meant that they they were no longer going to be able to go. Um, The the health issues were sorted, but they were told by doctors it wasn't wise for them to go and live in South America. And they were devastated. They had spent the last 30, 40 years of their working lives kind of building up to this moment where they were going to retire and fulfil their dreams in South America, and they had all been dashed. So here they were at Spring Harvest, and at Spring Harvest, God spoke to them. Home for Good were talking about the need for foster carers and adopters, and they felt God saying, that's what I want you to do in your retirement. I want you to step up and be a foster carer. So they did. They went away, they applied, they became foster carers, and they had spoken to me a year into their fostering journey. And they said to me that this is what God had been preparing them for their whole working life. They had thought he was preparing them to go to South America, but actually he was preparing them to become foster carers. And they said that it had been the most difficult year of their life, and fostering was as hard as anyone makes it out to be. But it has also been the most rewarding year of their life as well. And you see, I I love telling that story in front of anyone who's over the age of 50, because we tend to find that anyone over the age of 50 thinks, ah, fostering and adoption, that's, that's not for me. But it was for them. And it just might be for you. But also the stories I love are not just the stories of people stepping up to foster and adopt. It's the stories we're hearing about what other people within churches are doing to support families that do foster and adopt. I was at a meeting a few years ago and um, I was told about a cafe that's run by a church. And if you're a foster carer and you go to this cafe, while you're drinking a cup of coffee, someone in the back room will do your ironing for you. And uh, a couple of people in the room were foster carers and and they started to cry because they just began to realise how much that would mean for them and how much of a difference that would make in their life if someone just took some of the stress out of day-to-day life. And then amazingly, someone else stuck up their hand and said, you wouldn't believe this, uh, but yesterday my church took up a special offering so we could buy an industrial iron to do the same, so that we could do ironing for foster carers and adopters in our community. That church now has two industrial irons. I'm still not sure what an industrial iron is, but they've got two of them. And every week, they have basically an ironing party where people from the church gather to do ironing for foster carers and adopters in the community. And that church, they now do gardening and house cleaning and all kinds of things. And the local authority actually refers people to this church who are foster carers and adopters to have these kind of things done for them. 
And I love that story because I know that so many of us are not in a position right now to foster or adopt. But could we do something like that? Do we know someone in our community who fosters or adopts? Is there someone in your church? Is there someone in your family that you could make such an impact to what they're doing? And these things do make a difference. Earlier this year, Home for Good gathered a room full of professionals um, about what Home for Good should be doing to do more to support families that foster and adopt. And given it was a room full of um, professionals, we thought they'd be coming up with lots of complicated interventions and lots of complicated words in general about how we need to to do therapeutic counselling services and all that kind of stuff. And the thing that came out again and again and again was foster carers and adopters need more practical support. Because actually, if they had people coming and cleaning their houses, if they had people offering to babysit, if they had people to do the ironing, actually, some of the other things would just remain kind of a little bit more under control. It would enable them to focus on some of the other other things. It would stop situations that are bad spiralling out of control. These things do make a real uh, difference. So as we come to a close, I'm missing out my final slides, so don't try and find the slides now. How how might God be calling you to respond? How might God be calling you to show hope to people around you through hospitality? Perhaps he is placing vulnerable children on your heart right now. And if that's so... um, there's three things that you, you might like to consider doing. Firstly, we'd love it if you could stand with Home for Good and pray for our work. Uh, you'll be hearing from Billy Joe in, in, a, in a few minutes. Um, and Billy Joe is our worker in Kent. And she would really value your prayers as she seeks to find homes for vulnerable children in Kent. So could you stand with Home for Good and pray for our work? Secondly, could you support families Are there families you know? Are there families within this church? Are there families in your community that you could do something practical to support them as they foster or adopt? And thirdly, could you consider fostering or adopting yourself? Have you got a little niggle that might be from God prompting you that this this could just be for you? And if that is the case, um, I know there's an information evening at this church um, at the beginning of February. I think it's on your your news sheet for you to come and find uh, more. I'd also encourage you to, uh, if you are thinking about either supporting families or considering fostering or adopting, do read the Home for Good book. It's a a book that should come with a health warning. So a lot of people have picked up this book with no intention of fostering or adopting, and by the end, they're already in the assessment process. Um, but also, seriously, and this, this is important, a lot of people have read this book and suddenly realised that they'd thought fostering was for them, but actually is not. Because this book is a really kind of honest picture of what fostering and adoption is like. So if you want to find out more, maybe um, someone in your extended family is fostering and adopting. It can be a really helpful book to read kind of what's going on kind of in their lives as well. Um, and today, if you were to set up a regular donation to support the work of Home for Good, we'll give you a book as a thank you present for free. So there you go. Come and see Billy Joe and myself on the table at the back. So thank you ever so much for inviting us to be part of your service today and just um, being willing to think more about what you as individuals and you as a church could do to support vulnerable children. We really appreciate it. Thank you.